Sure! You really have beautiful ears! Hey! And with that, welcome folks to Lethal Muller Podcast, episode number 70 here on FPN, your place for celebrating all 80s, 90s and noughties. Action Cinema. I'm your host Adam O'Brien and tonight we're looking at a franchise you know very well. It is like the Terminator. It's almost like Highlander, but it has of course Dolph Lundgren and the muscles from Brussels. Jean-Claude Van Damme. That is of course the one, the only Universal Soldier. And we're going to explain just what that is right here now. Episode number 70 of the Lethal Mullet Podcast. Welcome to Phantom Podcast Network. This is Legal Mullet Podcast, a celebration of 1980s action cinema. Celebrating the heroes of yesterday, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Bruce Willis, Van Damme, all the way down to, of course, the big, great action films that we all enjoyed on VHS, and of course, Peter Max, with the lows of American Ninja, all the way through to Cyborg Cop and Beyond. Here... At Phantom Podcast Network's Legal Wallet Podcast, join Adam O'Brien as we celebrate action movie cinema. Alright folks, welcome to the show, episode number 70. Yeah, that's right, we've done 70 shows here on the Legal Wallet Podcast on FPN. And a big thanks to, of course, uh, the amazing Kevin, the Raider Nerd Reitzel, and of course Kyle Wagner for always allowing us here to jump on and spread the love of action films. And of course, retro stuff that we do here. I hope you've enjoyed the last episode looking at a bit of 90s there with Free Jack. Uh, that'll be out in a couple of weeks' time. Obviously, this is a live show, so we're a couple of weeks ahead right now. What's going out on Monday's episode this coming week is, of course, Above the Law, looking at Steven Seagal's first foray into action films after being a Aikido uh, teacher in Japan and, of course, coming to America to spread the love of Aikido. And, of course, becoming an action star in the meantime. So uh, that's an interesting uh, episode. Particularly, I'm bringing a bit of my Aikido experience to um, chat about some of those uh, different things that are involved in those films. Stay tuned. Lee Fillingsus will be joining us for uh, probably both Mark for Death and for Under Siege as well in coming weeks. So big shout-out to Lee, fellow Aikido stylist and dear friend here, of course, at FPN Studios. Now... Before we get into the other, the other one I quickly want to bring up is big thanks to all of you out there that uh, also messaged in about your love for Free Jack. It's a great film. I think um, there's not enough love for this out there. There needs to be more. And of course, the Sendic is one of the greatest. Uh, let's just say not villains. He's not really a villain. He's just a professional, <laughs> as many of you have pointed out after last show. So big thanks to you for that, and um, glad you enjoy it. Now this. Episode is going to be dealing with obviously a film that came out in 1992, directed by the director of, of course, of Moon 44, another great film that I love, and we will be doing here soon too, folks. Um, also, Stargate uh, and Independence Day. The list goes on. Of course, that is the amazing director Roland Emmerich, and of course, um, this is an interesting one because it's kind of part Terminator, uh, part war movie, part sort of special ops movie, and part martial arts film. That's what's interesting, because you get two big heavyweights from the late 80s uh, that were also into the 90s uh, A-grade action stars. That is, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, and, of course, his dear pal, Dolph Lundgren. And that's interesting. They're both at their real height here. Uh, that's what makes it so interesting. So, can't wait to get into that. 
with that, there's also a bunch of sequels that have been done, and I think they're still doing more uh, films as this goes on. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of that, because I think it changes. There's been some really great quality with this franchise, but it's also been up and down and all over the shop like any other franchise. You know, it's kind of, it's lived the Terminator life, if you like. It's an interesting concept that's been milked. <laughs> milked probably way too much in some res uh, respects as well, too. So... If they're going to reboot it, they're going to have to reboot it really interestingly. But I think they're just going to keep doing ones with Van Damme and Lundgren. It seems to work. And the guys love working together. They've even done Blackwater recently, a uh, film together again. So uh, there's a real love for it. And, of course, Expendables 2, where he played Villain. I like Symbol. <laughs> well, those little, little lines that he has in it are terrible. <laughs> but it's an interesting... Um, you know, villain, no matter, villain. <laughs> all right, let's get in there. You can contact us here at the show. You can catch me, The Lethal Bullet, on all socials. Twitter, Facebook, that's here, and Instagram on at The Lethal Mullet. Drop us a line. Let us know what you want Lethal Mullet to cover here. Obviously, we've done a lot of action films in the back catalogues. Go and check that out. fpnet.popin.com. You'll find all sorts of action films there. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Get up, man, how you going? Follow the Lethal Mullet here on Phantom Podcast Network's master channel at fbnet.podbean.com or subscribe on the Podbean app where you can find all the shows. Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast, Culture Clash, a weekly look at pop culture, new look at Making Treks, a Star Trek fan podcast, you can also check out The Mullet Guild, a look at the Dune universe from me, the Lethal Mullet. You can also check out this show and all the others like What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast, Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, and much, much more. All on FPN. You can follow on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all podcatchers. Make sure you follow me, the Lethal Mullet. At the Lethal Mullet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, one I've been looking at again, which we covered last year, is of course Cobra. That's right, Marion Cobretti, the one, the only Stallone flick, which apparently he may have a sequel coming for, or at least he's got a sequel idea that's just been it's been there for a few years now, and eventually it'll come. <laughs> Along with this uh, long-rumored Demolition Man, two. Uh, with Demolition Man 2 is an interesting concept from uh, the little bits that I've seen on the web about uh, I suppose leaks and stuff like that that this is going to be one to do with cloning mm. does that mean we're getting Simon Phoenix back? who knows that's a question Kevin the Raider Nerd writes or can answer because you can find him at Spartan underscore Phoenix <laughs> on all socials he might just be a fan of that franchise you never know and while we're at it Obviously, find the uh, the actual FPN itself on Podbean. Download the app. Find all the shows. This show, plus, of course, our sister show about Dune, which comes out on every second Thursday. That is, of course, The Mullet Guild. The last episode was really interesting because in that one we had Scotty Bowman, myself, and, of course, Kyle Wagner talking about the Dune trailer. And we'll get into a little bit more detail on the next episode, which will be out next Thursday, looking at... What's actually in the trailer? We're going to talk about a little bit of the merch, which has just dropped from Todd McFarlane Toys. Looking at the amazing 7-inch toys. That's right, 7-inch action figures of Dune. Anyway, we'll talk about it then, because we're here to chat about 
action films, folks, so get ready. Here we go. All right, so in the news, one of the great things we've been looking at is the upcoming packs and stuff like that that you're getting in and around the place. And um, here in Australia, of course, everything's moved to streaming. So, out here in Australia, I've been on Amazon going crazy, picking up the deals while I can to get hard copy media. Because like Kevin and Kyle, I believe in having hard merchandise. You know, you can't find rare sequels like this anymore. <laughs> if you want to, that is. That, that's if you're really hard-pressed to find the sequel to Hard Target. Or, in this case, the sequel to Universal Soldier. Um, well, one of the sequels, because guess what, folks? You can find a second one. Uh, which one's the real one? Anyway, we'll talk about that soon. But I would say now's the time, folks, to get out there, get what copies you can of hard media when it comes to DVD, Blu-ray, because they're dwindling out here in Australia. It's very hard to even find a shop that will do that. A lot of sh shops are shutting down unless they're the bulk places like, of course, JD Hi-Fi and Sanity, which are dropping like flies, folks. So get out there, get the box sets that you're always after. I even picked up the Godfather series because I just happen to be reading that one right now. Bob-bom, Maria Puzo, and The Godfather, but also the box set of the films as well, which just beautiful and great, great series. Just wish there were mullets in it, eh? <laughs> but we found Cuffs, we found a few other Tom Selleck ones from the, um, the 80s, Runaway being one, of course, and then there's, uh, of course, Quigley Down Under. Very hard to find, and of course those, once they are here, at uh, Quinlan's Cantina, we'll, we'll be going through those films, um, particularly uh, Railways, which I think is just fantastic, great film. A little bit of sci-fi for Tom, which is unusual, because he really hasn't done that much in that way before, if if any, actually, to be honest. Uh, being the Magnum Man, the Ferrari Man, the Ferrari Fire Engine Red Man, that guy. And, of course, Higgins is his mate. <laughs> All righty, mate. Time to go down to the pub for a pint, a chat. Action movies and more here on the Lethal Mullet Podcast. All right, folks, let's get into it. Universal Soldier. All right, came out in 1992. Uh, this is an interesting Roland Emmerich film. Of course, he was kind of the man back then in the early 90s, late 80s, when it came to interesting sci-fi uh, scripts uh, that came across to him, where he would obviously take those and flush them out into um, pretty big budget films for the time. Um, Universal Soldier is probably the biggest he had at the time after doing Moon 44. It's an amazing film for me. Uh, it's probably my favourite of his up until that point. Uh, obviously done Stargate as well and um, that was after this film. But Universal Soldier really showed his strength as the director because he's got two guys who aren't really actors as such. Particularly back then when it didn't matter whether you were yeah, an actor that had an amazing training or anything like that. They weren't after that. They were after people that had bulging muscles, you know, huge, huge uh, physiques, could kick, could punch, or in this case, do a um, significant amount of martial arts. Basically, they're almost stuntmen. I know today Hollywood's just filled with the likes of Tom Cruise and many others that actually do that. They go out and they, they do, they hang off the side of planes because... They want to, or they can't pay the stuntman. I don't know, but in this case, it's really good because uh, you know you have two massive karate guys, um, not just in stature, but you know in the legacies at the time. We have Jean Claude Van Damme, who's a Shotokan karate stylist, uh, from Belgium. Uh, he has kickboxing, 
uh, background there, obviously, with the karate, going out in tournament and stuff like that. And, of course, he's known for his massive sweeping um, spin kicks and stuff like that from uh, likes of the films he done, No Retreat, No Surrender. Also did, of course, Kickboxer, Bloodsport, uh, Cyborg, Death Warrant, Wrong Bet, and, of course, Double Impact, right up to this point where he's really starting to take off. Uh, and this was the launching pad. Universal Soldier really was the A-grade film that um, really pushed uh, his, I think, talent to where it was. And he, he does quite well in the film. I mean, he's, he's no, uh, you know, Tom Cruise in that way. You know, he can't lead a film um, just on acting or that alone. But there's a certain charisma he has, particularly this one, where he's basically, in, in some ways, playing a robotic youngster. You know, somebody who's reawakening their, um, their feelings, but is also a war veteran. So there's an interesting part of playing the, the part of Luke Devereux. Um, we'll get into why that is so interesting too soon. His sergeant in it, and of course this is from both the flashback scenes that we see in Vietnam and of course into uh, when they're reawakened as uh, basically zombie soldiers, is of course Dolph Lundgren, the huge Swede himself, who is obviously uh, you know, also a karate uh, veteran himself. Somebody's been out there, done it. And one of the more interesting styles of karate from Japan, of course, Masayama's Tokushin Kai. Uh, an amazing one, of course. If you know anything about Tokushin Kai karate, it's probably one of the more brutal forms. Um, there's a lot of uh, sparring involved in this where it's, it's contact on kind of really hard. Um, not to say Shotokan's not, but Tokushin Kai is no market around with that style. Uh, it's all about conditioning and it's all about really... Um, you know, the strength, technique, everything like that, but also, you know, they're full on when it comes to sparring, put it that way. Anyway, getting back to it, we've also uh, a whole heap of um, different actors involved in this, which we'll get into right now, because I think looking at the uh, cast is probably the easiest way to show you just how big this film was at the time. So we have Ellie Walker playing Veronica Roberts, who's a reporter, trying to expose what is happening here. And Universal Soldier is about basically soldiers that died in Vietnam that are brought back to life. So they're basically brought back zombie-like to a certain extent, but um, their brains are not quite fully dead. And that's how they're basically able to reprogram them, so reprogram their minds, if you like, and bring them back as functioning soldiers. We have Edo Ross as the colonel who's running it, Colonel Perry. Obviously, Edo Ross is um, pretty much a staple of action films at this time. He's in Lethal Weapon. Uh, he's in Another 48 Hours. Uh, he's, he's in a number of huge films at the time. One of the big ones, of course, played the bad guy in Red Heat. <laughs> Known, of course, as um, Victor Rosta. Uh, a great role. But again, great actor. And he's also in Full Metal Jacket in the tank scenes as a careening up the street, one of the reporters pulls him aside and basically talking to him. We have Eric Norris, uh, obviously, one of the family of the Norrises, uh, playing GR86. Leon Rippey of Cuffs, folks. That's right, Leon Rippey of Cuffs. <laughs> now, of course, Leon Rippey was in almost every uh, film uh, that, um, you know, this time anyway, that was put together by the director himself too. So, obviously, he's in Stargate Moon 44 as well, and... He's in The Patriot as well, so uh, he's always in these ones. Michael Jai White, who turns up in the sequel, is also in this one at the start and had nothing but nice things to say about Van Damme uh, in a, uh, I think it was a 
interview a couple of years ago, I saw her online. So he's obviously had um, a fairly, fairly uh, good rapport together, those two. Tiny Lister, one of my favourites, obviously the president in The Fifth Element and an actor that uh, needs no introduction. He's fantastic. He is the best part in The Dark Knight, too. I, I think he was really amazing in that. Uh, and uh, he plays GR55 in that. We have Jerry Orbach playing uh, Dr. Christopher Greger. Jerry Orbach, back in those days, I think I remember him mainly from um, Toy Soldiers. Um, and uh, when I sort of watched that film in particular, I uh, got to know him through, I think it was the police show that was showing on uh, Channel 10. So I always knew of him. And the other one was Seagal's Out for Justice, which he plays in that one too, from what I remember. Tico Wells uh, as Garth. He's kind of like the technician in this one. Uh, we've also got um, uh, Alan Graff as Hank. Ralph Moeller as Arnie's bodybuilding buddy. Come on, get to the gym. Do what you got to do. Come on. Another rep. Come on, do it now. And that is, of course, uh, playing GR76. And, of course, he's had a Gladiator and uh, many other films. And, of course, Scorpion King. Uh, he's, he's always had a real presence. Uh, he's great in that. Now, playing the young Luke Devro in this is Chris Van Varenberg. Guess who that is? That's Van Damme's son in this one as well. And, of course, he's in almost every Van Damme film of the last few years. Uh, and even on his channel now, he's uh, doing stuff... Uh, little skits with his dad and stuff like that, which is great too. Van Damme's still out there. At the end of the day, I think, um, doing what he does best, comedy. It's really good. He's got a really good comic timing. Rance Howard, that plays John Devereaux. Now, Rance Howard is, of course, Ron Howard's dad. Clint Howard's dad, obviously, too. Uh, you'll probably know him for a lot of stuff on TV and um, you know films over the years as well. And Ned Bellamy plays the FBI agent. So... You got a hell of a cast here. This is at the time, 92, uh, particularly when it comes to the action, uh, great people to have involved in. And it just, it was the right uh, casting at the right time. It's whoever cast this has really nailed it at the end of the day. Now, this is brought out by TriStar Pictures. And, um, you know, out here, the TriStar were huge at the time, the early 90s, from uh, obviously time around about Terminator 2 dropped and right through to, um, you know, uh, was it 93, 94, whatever it was. It just really smashed it out, uh, what what sort of films that we were all enjoying at the time. Action with huge, massive, um, you know, explosions and guns and muscular dudes smashing each other with martial arts skills. So Universal Soldier uh, did quite well uh, out here in Australia in particular. Uh, I saw it a number of times. The cinema came out with an extended release on uh, VHS, I remember. So basically it was M15+. Uh, you know, here in Australia when it went to the cinemas. And that was meant to be the less bloody version or whatever it was at the time. Then they, like they did with Hard Target, they added some more scenes into it and uh, the VHS version went to a hard R rating. Hard R rating out here was basically adults 18 years and over. You can see it was restricted. R for restrictions. So different system than uh, the UK, different system than other parts of the world, US, vice versa. Uh, so that's, I think, one of the reasons they didn't do it in the cinemas, those scenes, because they wanted to get some of the teenage crowd in there too. Uh, obviously, Universal Soldier uh, had a sequel called The Return, and when that came out, it didn't do quite well. And um, after that, basically, they, they did um, a couple of directed tv sequels, which were pretty ordinary, even though I do like the cast. Uh, it's an interesting cast. 
Burt Reynolds, Gary Boosie, uh, Matt Battaglia, but also Chef Wincott, who I always thought was the straight-to-video Van Damme. That guy can act. That's the difference. That guy can actually act like his brother, Michael. Dude's awesome. Still is today. Um, and then, of course, we have the new ones, which are starting with this one, Universal Soldier, The Regeneration, and then uh, Dave Reckoning, which had Scott Atkins in it. And it's a real... That's an interesting one, that one, folks, because that's kind of like a... I think the closest uh, way you could say it, it is basically zombie soldiers in an apocalypse now sort of setting. It's a really interesting sort of take on it. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. The film opens in Vietnam and we see uh, a village getting taken out basically by this squad of um, US Army soldiers. But we're at a point where all of that's been happening and we find that it basically it's... It's not what is happening. They're not taking out Viet Cong. What they're actually doing is taking out the villagers. So there's been a bit of an incident. And um, halfway through it, we see Luke Devereaux, who doesn't want to borrow this, try and stop Andrew Scott, his sergeant, who's gone basically crazy. Uh, particularly, we start to see some of the scenes will echo later when they reawaken. Things like taking the ears off victims, which we've heard about atrocities like that in war before, uh, and making necklaces out of them. So this is part of the character of Andrew Scott, why he's so sick and demented. And he's insane. And that's basically the start of how this confrontation um, between the two starts. Then we have, obviously, a bit of a, uh, a fisticuffs, a bit of a fight, and they both kill each other. Now, what we do next see is the US Army coming in in the morning after this night of battle, and they come to find that they're they're dead, but then one of them says, put them on ice. Of course, whether this is cryogenics, whatever it is, whatever weird science it is, they're put on ice. And then we flash forward to the future, to the modern day, and this time would have been 1992. So, what kind of weird science it is, we don't know, but what happens is we see a scene, and it's at uh, a dam in the middle of uh, wherever it is, the deserts, whatever. Uh, and uh, in that scene, we start to see some of those soldiers that we saw before. Of course, that is Luke Devereaux, and of course, that's GR44, uh, and um, obviously Andrew Scott as well uh, as GR13. So these are basically the unit names that they've been given. Uh, it's probably part of the reason that they're able to take away from the personality of those soldiers. Give them units, unit numbers, whatever you want to call it. Part of what this is too, we start to see what this team is involved. So the Universal Soldiers, kind of like a Delta Force, if you like. They're kind of a special uh, anti-terrorist um, anti counter attack for, a task force, whatever you want to call it. And they go out to take out uh, things that are just too much for mortal man, if you like. And, of course, the speed, the superhuman sort of skills that these guys have. They're, they have an increased speed, muscle mass, strength, all that sort of stuff, accuracy. And we see this in this scene. So it's a, it's a great, fun scene. We get to see um, some interesting rappelling over the side of the dam as they come down to face some of the um, many um, bad guys. And in uh, you know only a, probably about, what is it, 10 minutes scene, not even that, five minutes, we get to see them take out the terrace and get all, of, all the people free. But part of that scene is we see part of Luke's character, so GR44's character, start to see echoes or flashes of memory, where he sees the scenes from Vietnam from his own eyes. So some of those memories are starting to come back, 
some of uh, the character of Luke Devereux starting to come through. And this is part of what it is in the movie. As he starts to see things, he's reawakening himself. Um, and can, again, it's sort of like a you know uh, the Captain America story or vice versa. It's a fish out of water, starting to see what the current world is like. Uh, scenes like when they finally get free and he's with uh, Ellie Walker's character and they go to a, uh, was it a motel and he watches Richard Nixon from the old days and then see, which is a bit of newsreel footage and then sees him um, when he's older, saying that you know he'd left office so he realizes this is not uh, the past anymore again that's done really really well and I think it's the strength of obviously the work that um, the team have done to really really put this together so let's have a look at a bit of the uh, the credits here we it was Directed by Roland, obviously, too. Uh, first really big film, I think, for him uh, before really going even more commercial with um, Stargate and stuff like that. Produced by Alan Shapiro, Crane Baumgarten, and Joel B. Michaels, but it was written by Richard Rothstein, Dean Devlin, who's a frequent collaborator with, uh, obviously, Roland. Uh, great guy when it comes to acting, too, because I think he did a really good job playing one of the computer pilots slash technicians in Moon 44. He's got a real good uh, sort of comedic timing with him. Uh, but he's a great writer. And, of course, with Christopher Leach as well. The music was by Christopher Frank and uh, cinematography by Carl Walter Lindenlaub. And it's actually shot really well. It was one of the few films at the time that really shows off not just, um, obviously, the visuals of the landscapes and stuff like that too. The action scenes were pulled right back so you could see what was happening. Uh, I think that was handled quite well. But also the explosions. I mean, when they blow up that um, uh, garage or in, in what we call a um, petrol station out here in Australia, gas station in the US, uh, that's huge. And I do remember seeing years ago in the 90s, uh, it was early 90s, probably about 91, before the movie came out, there was a show about stunts and it was on every Sunday afternoon about 4pm or something like that. When that came out, they always talked about, oh, this is going to have the biggest explosion you ever did see. It was huge. We put so much propellant in it, it's going to blow the sky apart. And that's basically what they did. <laughs> you know, the scene is great. It's fantastic. And it, it reminds you, uh, when you when you think about it, I've always thought this film had a great middle act, and then I think it lacked at the end. That It didn't really have a, a strong ending, even though the fight's great. We'll get to that soon. So um, in, when they finish, we obviously go back to the command center, which is this humongous unisol truck. Now, it looks like it's something out of mask. I've got to say it, folks. I'll, I think they should have brought out a line of figures at the time because that truck was kind of transformable. It had sides coming out the sides of the, the trailer and stuff like that. It had a, obviously a tactical bunker thing attached to it. It was great. It was kind of like what you would see in Knight Rider or... Airwolf or something like that. It was one of those pieces of hardware which you had to have as an action guy. Uh, Leon Rippey playing Woodward in there. He's really unrecognisable, I think. Like, he, he's so good um, as an actor. He's played bad guys. Really creepy dudes who, uh, you know, just there to make the money. <laughs> but in this one, he's a, a scientist, which is a bit of a conscience. When it comes to the unisols and, and what they can do, you know, you're kind of like, well, wow, what's going on here? You know, it's interesting. <laughs> um, but again, he can play that because he's such a talented actor. And I think he's really, really good at that. Now, obviously, their minds are being suppressed uh, by an enhancer that um, they get injected in their necks. And it's an interesting scene that too. 
because it's played out well. They sort of, as they finish their missions, they strip down and jump in these chairs and they get their injections. Part of uh, what they also give this is a sort of a ruling in the, uh, in the movie, so a set of rules with that science fiction, which you always do with science fiction. You know, you can't have superhuman powers without some type of fallback. And then this one is the bodies overheat very, very quickly, so they need to be kept chilled in a freezing temperature. Uh, and part of that is each time we see GR44 go out and do some action, he's got to cool down, so he's got to get, I need ice. Can you give me ice? And, of course, Van Damme has to get ice and chill out, and he's got that little meter on the side, which looks like a Fitbit, folks. Maybe they went back in time and gave him a Fitbit. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's a great sort of way to sort of uh, keep your mind on he doesn't have much time each time they do those scenes. It's quite well done. I mean, it's only a little little thing, but it adds up to the fact that the, the pace needs to be there. So Devro is still starting to have recollections, and part of that happens in each of those scenes. One of the things they um, also find is Ali Walker's character, uh, Veronica Roberts, stumbles onto the actual camp itself, finds one of the bodies, and it is, of course, Ralph Moller's character who comes back to life. <laughs> and, of course, uh, then we have GR44 and uh, one of the others go out, and that is, of course, Dolph Lundgren's character, GR13, take out um, the two reporters. What's interesting about that scene is, of course, it's again starting to relive what he saw before because GR13 doesn't care. He's just after the film, the footage that that reporter has, and he's still going to kill him. So we have a scene where the two of them are out there, about to take him out, and then again the reflection, uh, recollections come back. This is what sets him out on the run. So we have some interesting parts here. It's kind of like a, a baby Terminator, if you like. There's, there's parts of that where it's the Terminator... Uh, used to find, you know, human relations, uh, all, all sort of different um, things that the relationships between humans and vice versa, social interaction, uh, make it really interesting because he's not used to that. So there's humour with it. Um, with, of course, Van Damme, he plays it well. Like, you know, he's, he's not exactly what you would call an Academy Award winning style actor, but he's still somehow, uh, Roland got a really good performance out of him. He is probably one of his better performances. Mainly because I suppose he doesn't really need to act too much in this. He's just going to kept it uh, as a character that's naive, that's still learning about the world, like a baby. You know, it's sort of taking in the world. Oh, wow, there's this, this world out there. But then the past is starting to come back to him at the same time. So it's interesting. It's like his adulthood is catching up with him at the same time. That sort of psychology and the character I found interesting. It's kind of the reverse with Andrew Scott. So Dolph Lundgren plays this really well. It's almost like the memory was always there. It never went anywhere. He's just waiting for his opportune moment to strike and pounce and take out, of course, Edo Ross's character and, and take over. And he does. After, of course, the gas station incident, he realises, i got to get out. He's got to take out that colonel and I've got to take over. And he does. So we start to see him get in control, get the other unisols that are still alive and go behind him. And um, again... That sets out this great road race. It's kind of a Mad Max film. Towards the end here, we see, obviously, uh, you know, the bus and uh, the Unisol's truck chase each other down over the cliff sides uh, of these huge uh, ranges and stuff like that. And it's a great scene. I mean, this is great stunts. Uh, classic 90s stuff, uh, which we used to see in all those big movies at the time. We've seen it before, but I don't think it was done as well as that film had been done. And, of course, it's kind of... 
in those scenes, we get to see a lot of uh, deaths of characters and then they automatically rise from the ashes, uh, particularly GR13, who just doesn't want to die. <laughs> uh, but anyway, folks, you know the ending. Um, but out of the universe of Soldier films, this is the one that really knocked it out of the park and it still gets a big four out of five on the Hallenbach scale. Led to, of course, a sequel. Now, I never got to see this one at the cinemas. Um, I saw all the posters everywhere when it was being advertised. And, of course, Van Damme was not known for doing sequels. He'd never done one before. He'd been offered um, Kickboxer 2, Bloodsport 2, Cyborg 2, maybe even a Death Warrant 2, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I think the only ones he was really interested in doing was a sequel to Double Impact. But, again, that still hasn't happened. I think even up until recently he was thinking about doing that film, but it never happened, all right? What happened was he did this film with Michael Jai White as the bad guy in it and um, some other great talent as well. What's great about this one for me is that um, Mick Rogers directed it and he was he's a massive stunt director, uh, fight choreographer, you name it. Um, I think first assistant director on a lot of films too. This, the fact that it's a stunt guy that did this means you're getting action. I mean, this is more like an 80s film than the other. So I, what I, to me, thought was that this is one of those ones that's going to surprise you, going to be something really out of the norm. But it really did. It surprised me that it was more of a TV-ish movie. It's not, I mean, it's not quite as bad as the TV movie versions, which uh, we'll talk about in a sec. But what I enjoyed about this one, it had a little bit more uh, of a family tone at the start before the action stations went on. Uh, we have some interesting firearms in this one too. The OICWs are in this one, which... Um, uh, were kind of the rage at the time when it came to um, uh, late late 90s, early 2000s video games. You always had these bullpup uh, assault rifles, which had grenade launchers under and over and vice versa and had like 10 rounds of, uh, each. Um, they were obviously probably mocked up for the movie, but they looked cool. All right. So as a, as a sort of an upgrade to what we had in the original, which were only, what was it, MP5s and stuff like that, this was freaking awesome, okay, when it came to that. Now, it is not nowhere near the original film as far as um, getting that sort of uh, road movie racing with cars and stuff like that. It's pretty much kept in the one place, the, the sort of uh, Unisol's base, if you like. Um, so we don't get to see a lot of that. But the great work that they did when it came to getting Goldberg in it, obviously, you know, some of those great lines in it, like, Save by the bell, Devril! <laughs> uh, that sort of stuff. What we also see in this one that's great is, of course, Michael Jai White. He's fantastic. What, what's not to like? He's the best. Um, he's a better martial artist than, uh, than Jean-Claude. There's, there's no doubt. But them fighting together, you get, they complement each other very, very well. Um, you know, the big sweeping kicks of Van Damme and uh, the speed that um, Michael does. Like, obviously, Michael's a much faster uh, when it comes to the... Uh, the movements and stuff like that. I think they probably even had to slow down his moves a little bit because he's so quick. But the kicks, that, that snap kick that he does um, sort of towards the end of the movie before the final fight is breathtaking. So as far as fights and action, this film probably tops uh, the original one. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So it was great. Now, which leads us to a sequel which I've only seen probably twice. But it is interesting if you're a fan you do need to watch it, okay? So it's this one here, which is, of course, Universal Soldier Brother in Arms. Uh, now it stars... Look, Jeff Wincott, folks. 
Jeff Wincott. Yeah! <laughs> uh, you got to watch it just for that. But of course, you get Gary Boosie in this. Uh, kind of playing a little bit like his character in Soldier. Um, he's basically taking over, being in charge and all that sort of thing. Um, probably Edo Ross sort of role. Um, but also, this film has, uh, I think pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this is the one with Burt Reynolds as well, if I'm right. Somewhere here. Maybe not. Maybe it's the third one. There was another one. There was two films. Um, but this one's great. Uh, in the role of, obviously, Luke Devereux, we have Matt Battaglia. And you kind of have a little uh, flashback of what happened in the movie, but using the newer actors um, in this one, too. Um, yeah, it's about probably about a two out of five. Not my cup of tea, but still, for a completist, you have to watch it. Now, the other one is, of course, Universal Soldier Regeneration. This one is good. Uh, this one is actually pretty damn fantastic. You've got uh, Andre Olovsky, uh, UFC fighter from what I remember, uh, playing, uh, basically he's he's the big new villain in this one, uh, universal soldier of the new breed. Uh, he's able to get out there and do things a little bit faster, a little bit more tougher, stronger than the other guys. Obviously, it reunites Van Damme and, of course, Lundgren as well. And they have some really good scenes. And it's it's a bit more realistic realistic in tone this is a very gritty film um i remember watching it uh years ago at my parents place and uh watching a massive screen tv 50 or 60 inch or whatever it was and what really blew me away was just the the grittiness this is like a cold uh portrayal of the universal soldier a bit more scientific in some ways brutal there's a brutal sort of nature to this film but that's what brings out how deadly these guys are. And I actually really enjoy this one. This one's probably the better ones out of the last few. It's interesting. They've gone sort of more of a sci-fi take, but still tough. No mucking around. And, of course, Lundgren steals every scene he's in. Now, the other one, which I don't have on, on hand right now, is, of course, uh, the fourth one, uh, which basically brought everyone back. So it's called Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. And it's an interesting one. It's a follow-up, obviously, to Regeneration. They want to sort of capitalise on the success of that one. That did quite well. And what's interesting is they got everyone back that was in the last film that they could, but added Scott Atkins to it. Well, of course, we're huge fans of Scott Atkins out here, folks. We love the dude. He's awesome. Uh, and check out his show, Art of Action. There you go. He even gave you a plug, Scott. <laughs> um, but what's great about this one, it was directed by uh, Peter Heim's son, John. Again, so like the other film. And this is different. This is kind of like Apocalypse Now. That's what it feels like. It, it really feels like a, a weird sort of uh, journey for Scott's character. And um, it's different because it really jumps on this sort of weird ride that we see um, up towards Van Damme's Luke Devereaux, who's basically gone into the Colonel Kurtz area. It is haunting, brutal, but weird and funny at the same time. So... It is a trippier version. This is this is definitely uh, sort of a, a saturated version, if you like, uh, when it comes to um, excellence in uh, fight scenes. There's, there's some great ones in this one. But what's really interesting is just the depiction of uh, Andrew Scott in this one and, of course, where they go with um, Van Damme. It's, it's right up there. Colonel Kurtz weirdo stuff, mate. It's nuts. Um, but I still think Regeneration is probably the better film out of all those two. But... Tell us here at the show what you like about this franchise. Which one is the one? Is it the original? And do we go back and say this is the one to watch? Or is it the sequels? 
which of the sequels do you like? Do you like the newer ones or do you like number two? I mean, there's, there's some fans of the number two as well. So it's not quite Highlander too bad, but it's <laughs> it almost there. But let us know what you think too. I mean, we always want to know that. Well, the next episode coming up, folks, we have more Steven Seagal looking at, of course, Mark for Death, Hard to Kill, and eventually Under Siege. All here on the Legal Mullet Podcast. I'm Adam O'Brien. We'll catch you then. Stay awesome. And watch some action films while you're at it, eh? We're G'day, folks. Hope you're enjoying the great shows here on the Phantom Podcast Network. Be sure to check out all the great shows that we have on offer and subscribe on the master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. You can check Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast hosted by Kevin the Raider Nerd Rasl and Lee Fillingsis on their platform. You can also check out Culture Clash, which is the weekly look at pop culture hosted by Kevin and Kyle. Couch Potato Theatre. This is a cult classics and guilty pleasure podcast. Also Time Warp, a fandom flashback show. Enzo, a look at the NFL, American football. Also, Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, looking at the great films of Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation podcast, a Star Trek and Orville podcast, looking at Discovery, and of course, Picard, plus the Orville. But also, the Hair Metal podcast, looking at the great shows put on by the amazing bands back in the late 80s, their discs, their LPs, everything, all covering the fashion as well. Hosted by Kevin the Raider Nerd Reitzel. You can also check out Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, Hosted by Kevin and Dan Hadley, looking at all the eras of Doctor Who. You can also catch out What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. An amazing show looking at Star Wars, hosted by Derek and Scott. And of course, our newest one, the amazing The Mullet Guild. An offshoot of the Lethal Mullet podcast looking at Frank Herbert's Dune universe. This is like an encyclopedia for Dune, where I take you through and down into the rabbit hole. Frank Herbert's amazing space opera, the sprawling universe which is going to be brought to life by Denis Villeneuve and December 18. You can check out all the shows there. Be sure to also go onto the social platforms on Twitter at Fanpot Network. Let us know what you think of the shows and what else you can uh, look at there. You can also check out great articles that we put up through there that we share. Also check out on Instagram and Facebook, Phantom Podcast Network. Be sure to make sure that every Tuesday you check out the great work done by Making Treks as well. A brand new podcast looking at a deep dive of Star Trek hosted by myself, James Semple, and of course, the ever-popular and amazing writer of Star Trek and Star Wars, Mark Newbold. Go and check it out, folks, and we'll catch you next time here on the Phantom Podcast Network's The Lethal Mullet Podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, and good